You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us for worship. My name is Reverend Benita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm one of the co-pastors of Teaching and Community. Special shout out to all of you joining us virtually. Um, I am so pleased to be able to kick off our new sermon series, which, as Reverend Josh stated, is We Will Not Be Silent. So the next four weeks, we will have um, topics of uh, related to women, as I will preach on today, uh, the disabled population, uh, the LGBTQIA community, um, and can't remember the last one. But anyway, we are so, so excited about this series um, and about all of the different voices that you will hear because it is our desire to be able to um, lift up and elevate the voices of those individuals who have traditionally been marginalized and traditionally been silenced. So I have a niece and a nephew named Josiah and Asia. They attend UC Riverside in Southern California. And it's interesting, uh, there's a story that we like to share in our family related to these two. And it's a story of Josiah's first day of school. It was kindergarten. And as he was on his way to the car, my parents were there, their grandparents, um, to to help support um, them during this time, Uh, Asia, runs outside to the car as Josiah is just about to hop in, and she says, Josiah, remember, use your voice. Josiah was in kindergarten. Asia was in second grade. She was so intentional, and it was something that she had heard before. Use your voice. It's something that had been stated a lot in our family. It's something that I would share with them as their aunt, And I continue to share with mentees and pretty much anyone who will listen, women, use your voice. Everyone, use your voice. So it's interesting because this is something that I heard a lot from my mother. When I felt uncomfortable about sharing certain things and using my voice, and no matter what would happen during those particular times, I could always find somewhere my mother and her voice saying, Vanita, use your voice. Now, it's something that my mother heard from her mother, my grandmother. She would tell my mother when she was younger, use your voice. So this is sort of generational wisdom as it relates to my family. It's something that we all encourage each other with. And if we are talking about women using their voices for transformational change, it's important for these voices to be elevated and to be given visibility. If we are, in fact, to be women who are led by the spirit, women who cultivate our purpose, women who embrace a higher power, and who understand that positive change, be it in the community, family, church, will come, then we can firmly declare, as our series states, we will not be silent. I believe 
Our voices, the voices of all women-identified folk, are powerful. They can be extremely transformative, which is why, at times, these voices can risk being silenced. Because, sadly, they are seen oftentimes as being disruptive and causing others to feel uncomfortable. I've heard it said, though, well-behaved women rarely make history. And isn't that just it? Because the typical expectation, the typical stereotype of women is, even if it's not said out loud, is that women should be a certain thing. You fill in the blank. Women should be well-behaved. Women should be reserved, accommodating, nice, not willing to ruffle too many feathers, not too knowledgeable, certainly not assertive. And if married to a man, expect it to take her husband's name, is expected to want or have children, women are expected to take on feminine gender expressions, to be those girly girls. Women oftentimes are expected to use she, her pronouns. Women are expected to be and do a lot of things that might not necessarily fit into their own personal paradigm. Women oftentimes silence because of their power. How often do we see or hear in the media, whether politics or some other industry, once women are assertive, sometimes even saying maybe the same thing men identify folks have said, being torn apart in the media because of what they said, because of them being proactive, being assertive, using their voice for change. Many times they're dismissed and shunned, sadly, even despised. The thinking oftentimes is that women should know their place, their submissive place, particularly, as many of us have seen, in faith-based spaces. In God is a Black Woman by Dr. Christina Cleveland, she writes these words. Each Sunday, I blew off steam by racing the boys in the church parking lot. I could sprint with the best of them, but I couldn't even shake my biggest handicap, my tractionless patent leather shoes. Nevertheless, the inevitable tumbles, scrapes, scabs, and budding scars seemed a small price to pay for the exhilaration of running with the wind and boys to my back. But one Sunday, exasperated that I continued to race and fall, Dad pivoted to fear and barked at me, you'd better be careful. If you keep racing, you'll scar up your legs and no man will want to marry you if you're covered in scars. The gravity in his voice shook me and I never raced again. How many of us women continue to cover our scars, the pain, the experiences that we've had, the scars, because 
we could be under the assumption that no man will want us. No one will want to marry us. No one will want to embrace us if we share our full, authentic selves. Those same scars and experiences could be able to help empower the lives of others. And as it relates to our scars, once we go through healing from whatever we've gone through, sometimes those scars will remain, but they don't have to define our lives and who we are. Jesus loved us so much that Jesus gave his life. And Jesus was bruised and scarred and did not hide those scars when Thomas came to try to see what had happened to Jesus. And Jesus allowed Thomas to touch those scars, to connect with those scars. And that's something that we could, in fact, do when we have gone through pain. There's no reason for us to suffer with shame. In a sense, Dr. Cleveland was shut down by her dad, silenced in a sense, and many of us have been shut down in other ways as well. In many instances, the gender identity of transgender women have not been fully embraced. They've been shut down as well and not allowed to claim what they've known all along, who they really are. They've been silenced and victimized. There have been other women who've been shut down from pastoring, from operating in leadership in churches, because those positions have typically been held for men. Because people still believe that women in the church should keep a low profile. I'm glad we don't believe that here at Forefront. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> in Out of Sorts by Sarah Bessie, Sarah Bessie is one of the co-founders of Evolving Faith. She goes on to say in this particular book, there are folks who believe that I, as a woman who hasn't been to seminary, can't possibly play with the big boys when it comes to theology. My opinions don't matter as much. My experiences with scripture and church life and the spirit don't count. But I still believe that everyone gets to play. Many women, let's be clear, who've been to seminary, like me and others, right? We could echo these same words. Because even though we've been to seminary and have had a host of experiences for decades, our opinions still get questioned. We are still, in so many ways, being silenced. Why this mindset? Why these long-held perceptions of women? Women being the lesser, lesser than, the weaker, maybe it's because of how girls continue to be socialized. I know of a particular child care facility and they are open and they are progressive and they allow their children to play with a host of different toys and they allow their children to engage in whatever way 
they want to. But these individuals at this child care center have talked about parents coming in and being horrified when they see their little boy in a Tinkerbell outfit. They're frustrated when they see their little boys playing in the little kitchen area. And then the teachers and the educators have to actually say, in this space, we are open and this is what we do. So it's interesting that these types of things continue to happen, even in 2023. And then maybe people have this mindset because of Paul's words, right? Women should be silent. And I didn't want to put that up here on the slide because you've heard that enough, I'm sure, right? But it was the order of the day. And if we look at scripture from a historical context and then we try to take the words and sort of fit them in today, then there's a problem. And these are things that we talked about during our Bible Say What series, how we interpret the text, how we interrogate the text. Who were the words written for? What was the order of that day? Can we apply it to today, right? Who is it harming? Who is it leaving out? So <clears throat> not here, but again, many churches still say women should be silent. And to this day, people have and continue to question and undermine women's leadership, their value, their gifts, their contributions, and their experiences. Some years ago, there was a group from a particular church organization who was not allowed to preach. And if they had expressions, they weren't called sermons or anything to share, they had to speak from the lower podium. And they decided that they would do something in protest to speak up against the injustice of not being able to preach in this particular organization and denomination. And during one of their conferences, the women decided to wear buttons that said, we will not be silent. We will not be silent. Now, to be honest, this was some years ago, and I tried to look at the organization's website just to see how far along they had come in terms of women's inclusion. And to be quite honest, it looks like they're in the same place that they were some decades ago. Um, however, I applaud those women for taking a step of courage and trying to let people know that their voices are valuable. Joel 2 and 28 tells us, Then in those days I will pour my spirit to all humanity. Your children will boldly and prophetically speak the word of God. Your elders will dream dreams. Your young warriors will see visions. In Prophesying Daughters, Black Women Preachers and the Word, 1823 through 1913, Shanta M. Haywood writes these words about this particular passage in Joel. This passage declares that God is pouring out her spirit on all flesh, offering justification that the Bible has already maintained spiritual egalitarianism in terms of who could prophesy. The Bible clearly states that all children could prophesy. Yet within the particular historical context of these black women preachers, only the sons were privileged. And what tends to happen is that if we continue any marginalized group, if folks continue to be marginalized, 
If their voices are not valued, if they've heard time and time again that they're the weaker vessel and they're not strong and they're less than and they don't deserve these particular roles, then what happens is sometimes subconsciously it becomes internalized. And we refer to that as internalized oppression where sometimes not even like clearly understanding what is happening, we as women believe the lies that society has put out there and systemic oppression continues to exist. I had no idea that I was internalizing some of the messages that I'd received being a woman. And there was a particular professor in seminary who brought it to my attention and it helped me pay attention to how I was behaving, to who I was yielding to, to why I wasn't speaking up during times when I either knew the answer or had an opinion or perspective that I wanted to share. And she said, Vanita, you're, you're allowing the men to take the lead. You know you can step up, right? You know you can speak up, right? And then I started paying attention to that so that I could disrupt the internalized oppression that had been plaguing me. Even though I grew up with a powerful mother and grandmother, um, we had women in leadership positions in church and whatnot, the messages all around me were having an impact and I didn't even realize. And I have to be honest, these are things I continue to pay attention to and try to disrupt in my own life. So I invite the women identified individuals in this room to reflect on their own lives as it relates to what you are being silent about. Those times when you held back, when you knew what you wanted to say. Those times when you were so preoccupied with other people's opinions that there was something that you held back on that could have helped someone else. So my question to you then is, who silenced you? Were there the messages around you? Professors, family members, your church, your community? Who silenced you? I heard a really sad story on a podcast recently, and they were talking about a study that was done with second grade girls and boys. And they asked the children, how much money do you think you deserve for a particular job? And when the results came back, it showed that the little girls asked for 40 cents less than the boys. Second grade. And when they dug a little bit deeper, the researchers they found that all of the girls seemed to be saying the same thing. I thought I was worth more, but I didn't want to upset anybody. Second grade is so important for us to use our voices to create change and transformation. We can take a lesson from our ancestors, those in our own lives and those in the lives of various her stories, the stories of women in the Bible. There are so many examples out there for us to learn from and to grow from. 
so many women who refuse to remain silent. There's another quote from Prophesying Women that says, they knew that their calls by God and their dedication to the call made them different, made them spiritual interrogators of the status quo. Feeling directed by God, they challenged gender restrictions. Fueled by their convictions, they questioned political and social wrongs. Inspired by and filled with the holy zeal, they set out to make changes where they could. In doing so, they left, they left an impressive list of firsts. These are the women that we honor. Women whose voices ring throughout our history. Jarena Lee, first woman to be ordained in the AME Church. Maria Stewart was the first woman, black or white or any other ethnicity, to speak publicly about political issues to a diverse audience. Julia Foote was the first woman ordained a deacon in the AME Zion Church, and Frances Joseph Gaudette was the first woman, period, to conduct mission reform among black prisoners. Shout out to the women. Power to the women. Power to the women. Power to my sisters. Power to mis hermanas. Power, power, power. As I was preparing this scripture, I thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was given a very tall assignment, who probably had plans for her life that sort of kind of didn't involve giving birth to the Messiah, going about her business, and then one day having a conversation with the angel, angel Gabriel, who gave her the word that she would bear a child, and his name would be Jesus. Even though she had never known a man, she would still give birth to the Christ child. Can you imagine her level of anxiety, awkwardness, fear? But she was open because the angel let her know that her life was honored and she was favored by God. And God gave her, would give her the strength to take care of the Christ child. When I think about that example of Mary, I think about the fact that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I also think about the fact that we are strong as women for all things by the power of the one who empowers us. The Holy Spirit continues to empower us to do all the things God has given us to do. So I close with a letter to the women. And it's something that was on my heart that I believe the Holy Spirit has given me to be able to share with all women-identified people. And it goes a little like this. Dear women, in your quest to be heard, please remember that your voice does not have to be used for one more I'm sorry. You can't be doing everything wrong. Your voice does not have to be used 
for one more, I'm not sure if this is right or not, disclaimer before you speak. Your voice does not have to be used to criticize your body or your intelligence. You got it going on. You can continue to use your voice to pray and to uplift yourself and others. Your voice can be used to negotiate the salary that you deserve. Amen. Your voice can be used to express what your body needs from your partner. You don't have to always be passive and on the receiving end. Your voice can be used to affirm yourself and others to be life givers, truth tellers, healers, and liberators. Women, use your voice. Together, we will not be silent. And the people of God said, amen. 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 We'll now transition into um, our time of uh, celebrating communion. Uh, we have communion down front and in the balcony for those who are in the balcony. Our communion table, I'm happy to report, is open to everyone, all backgrounds, all ethnicities. Anyone can come, whether you're divorced, uh, whether you have been told by other people that you are not worthy, you are worthy today. You are loved today. We have a gluten-free wafer. We have alcohol-free juice so that our children can receive and in solidarity with those who are in recovery. We are going to receive together. You're invited to come at this time and hold your elements so that we can all receive together. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.